God bless this house. God bless this house. It's an amazing thing to know that right now Jesus is in our midst. God's people have always been a unique group, and they will continue to be. In fact, Scripture says that God blessed His people with some amazing blessings. Let's take our Bible and open it to the book of Romans, please, the amazing book of Romans. Here the Apostle Paul enumerates some of the blessings of God's people. In Romans chapter 9 and verse number 4, who are Israelites? Now, of course, uh, when you get born again by Jesus Christ, the Bible says He has grafted you into the tribe of Israel in a spiritual sense. So we could even take this, but it's referring really to God's chosen people. Notice these are wonderful distinctives. To whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Here we see at least four wonderful blessings God has given to the people of God. First of all, He has made them the people of God. That is, that the Messiah would come through them. Not only are they the people of God, but God has given them the law of God from these verses. The most amazing set of principles, including those wonderful promises. The people of God, the law of God. Then it says here, the service of God, an unequaled religious worship plan. Do you realize that nobody does this? I mean, nobody gets together and worships and prays together and sings together and listens to Scripture. I was struck when we went to Thailand a couple of years ago, and they're a country that is just riddled with that terrible religion, false religion of Buddhism. And I asked our missionary, I said, well, what do they do at the Buddhist temple? He said, they just go and just kind of sit there. I said, well, they preach? He said, no. I said, what do they do? He said, really nothing. They just kind of chant a little bit. And, you know, I got to realizing really no religion, the Sikh temple, they don't have preaching. They don't have worship. It is only God's people, that it says here, who have the service of God, the people of God, the law of God, the service of God. And then finally, look at this verse closely. It says, and the glory. What? God said one of the characteristics, one of the distinctives of his people is you get glory. Now, in this place, although in other places it may mean this, but in this place that doesn't mean they get this uh, credit or this honor or these privileges. No, it is meaning that because you're God's people, you have a very unique thing about you, and that is you get my presence. Distinctly, uniquely so, you get my presence. Now, in Scripture, that is known as the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God first showed up in the Old Testament when God came and poured out His presence on the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was evidenced by a cloud during the day 
and a pillar of fire by night. But it was a special manifestation of God on a place. Are you listening? A special manifestation of God at a house, at a place. There God blessed the house because there was an incredible sense of the nearness of God. Now, we read Romans chapter 9 and we say, oh, isn't that wonderful? I'm so glad that Israel got all these blessings. Now, do you think God just shared that with us and God used the Apostle Paul to share that and say, well, nice thing, that's good for Israel, but not us. I mean, we couldn't expect to be the people of God. We couldn't ask that we have the law of God. We couldn't think that we might be able to involve ourselves in the service of God and the glory of God. Oh, seriously. We can't imagine that there's a special presence of God in our midst. And yet, I'm convinced that's exactly why God laid it out for us, so that we would know we can expect His presence when we gather together. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, all these things happen to them for examples. They are written down so there'll be no misunderstanding for who? Our admonition. Well, now look at that. God has made this for our admonition. So all of that he talks about here is for our admonition. That means that God's Shekinah glory is just as available for us. It is just as much a presence, maybe in a little different manifestation, but just as much of a presence for us as it was for Israel. And so today we are going to take a one-week detour from our great series, exciting series on the attributes of God, and we're going to talk about the subject, God bless this house. There is nothing like being in the house of God. And as exciting as it is, there are some things you should never do at church. I love this. There are six things you should never do at church. Number one, or maybe number six, never ask an usher to break a 20. <laughs> number five, never do a cannonball in the baptismal tank. Number four, never hold a business church business meeting on Super Bowl Sunday. Amen. Number three, never tell pastor, oh, we love your church. We might even come back yeah. next Easter. <laughs> number two, never during youth activities bungee off the church steeple. And then finally, after a soloist of impressive size sings, love lifted me, don't follow with the hymn. It took a miracle. <laughs> Never do that in church. Well, let's talk about some things we should do in church. Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that it's your plan to bless the church. Bless this house, Lord, with your presence. I thank you for the sweet confirmations, Lord, that your plan is to do a special work among us, not just a presentation, but, Lord, a demonstration of your Shekinah glory. In Jesus' name, amen. early, the Lord laid upon my heart the message. All week long, I've been excited about it, I've been praying about it. Yesterday morning, I was uh, getting ready to come here to the office for a bit, and I got a phone call from a man of God, a man who's nearing 90, a, 
a Moses-like pastor who really has had a wide ministry. Several pastors in California, notable pastors of his sons in the Lord. And for some reason, God told him to call me. He said, I'm sitting here, Tim, and I want to talk to you for a minute. So here he was. He said, I, doctor told me only 10% of my heart is working. And basically, without saying it, he was saying, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be around. But he said, I want to call you and talk to you, and I want to pray for you for what God is going to do in your life. So we talked for a few moments, and then he prayed a prayer of anointing over myself and our ministry, and I got to tell you, I was just so blessed, so encouraged. This morning, early, about 4 a.m., I was up seeking the Lord, and uh, I got a buzz on my iPhone, and there was a text from a brother across the country, and uh, occasionally he'll text me to encourage me, and he... uh, said, Pastor, I want to ask you to seek the glory and the presence of God today. I thought, well, this is going to be good. He said, seek the cloud of God. I thought, "Woo, that sounds interesting. He said, go to Numbers chapter 9, which is where we're going to go in a few moments. And he said, read verses 15 through 17. And he began to talk in this little text about God's presence. It's interesting because I had just prayed, God, I pray that the message today would not just be a presentation, but a demonstration of your power. A few moments later, I get a text from a brother who said, pray for the cloud, the Shekinah cloud of God to come in your services. I thought, good night. (laughs) Man, alive. He had no idea. Nobody really knew we were going to preach this message. A few people saw the little little logo there, but nobody knew what direction I was going. And uh, even myself really didn't quite know until as the week bore on. But so I'm excited this morning because I believe God's Shekinah glory is a misunderstood and sadly misapplied information. What is the Shekinah glory of God? The word Shekinah glory is not found in Scripture. It is, however, an anglicized word that is found in Scripture. It is actually a word that means the dwelling. And if you're taking notes here, you can just simply say that. God's Shekinah glory means the dwelling. And that is that God decides to just dwell in a place. He decides to come with His presence, His special nearness to a people, to a people who have some characteristics. We begin to see about this about 3,000 years or so ago in the land of Israel, where God's Shekinah presence showed up. What did God's Shekinah glory do? Well, the people of God were on the shores of the Red Sea, and there God's glory came and showed them exactly what they should do during the day. You just follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. What would it have been like to see that cloud? What did God's Shekinah glory do? It did four things for them. First of all, it protected them. It protected them. That is when the enemies would come against them, the presence of God would strike an awe in their heart and guard them. It piloted them. That is, it was God's eternal GPS system 
there through the desert and through the wilderness, God's Shekinah presence piloted them. It was also a presence to publicize to them the law of God. It was God's divine printing press. From that Shekinah glory came the law of God on Mount Sinai. And then finally, it also was a presence to them. So God's Shekinah glory was to be a closeness to them and a glory for them. We are told in Scripture that it appeared over the tabernacle when it would stop there. It also would lead them during the time when they were in the Red Sea. In Psalm 99, verse number 6, the psalmist referred to this Shekinah glory. It says, Moses and Aaron among his priests. Aaron was, of course, that high priest. Moses was a priest as the leader of Israel. And Samuel, also a prophet priest, among them that call upon his name. They all called upon the Lord, and he answered them. What did he answer them with? His Shekinah glory. Look at verse 7. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. Moses felt and saw the Shekinah glory of God. Aaron saw the Shekinah glory of God. Samuel experienced the Shekinah glory of God. And what was the result? They kept his testimonies. When we see and feel the presence of God... We keep his testimonies. Later, when Solomon built the temple, again the cloud filled the temple. And a visible representation of God dwelt among his people. It came and was there in the temple. Look with me, please, at 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. And it came to pass, when the priests were coming out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. This cloud, this presence, was it an actual vapor? Probably was. But it was a sense of his presence. It filled where? A place. The house of the Lord. A physical place. Verse 11. So much so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. Why? Because the glory of the Lord had filled that house. Oh, it must have been an awesome sight to see. No other nation has had the glory of the Lord. No other people can claim the glory of the Lord. There are, there are groups that meet. There are groups that sing. There are groups that serve people and are uh, help groups and help clubs. But you can go to a moose club or you can go to a hospital. You'll never see the Shekinah glory. Because that is reserved where a people have some specific things they're doing, and God's plan is to meet in that place. Let's go to Numbers chapter 9 and see what happened during that time. Moses had the daunting responsibility and was tasked to lead a great mass of people. We're not told exactly how many other than the fact that according to the book of Numbers, there were 650,000 men. If there were 650,000 men of adult age, then there was probably about 650,000 women. And if they got married, most of them got married, then that means there would be a whole bunch of kids. And especially if it was like the home church, well, we're talking about 10 million people here that needed to get going. And so Moses had to lead this great group. Most people believe that Moses was tasked with the opportunity to lead 5 million people. And I will tell you, just my wife and I, when we go on a little getaway, it just seems like it's hard to get everything together. 
Imagine five million people. And they went 300 miles. Can you imagine just the infrastructure to try to feed that many people, make sure they all had water and all the facilities that it must have been necessary? Folks, I'm telling you what, when God called Moses to that, he definitely needed the presence of God. Now today, we in America, we stand very much like Moses stood. We are in the early days of 2021. We have been given a new responsibility. This facility that God gave us, even though it was started a few years ago, finished this year, because of the great giving of God's people and the hard work of so many, it is with such a great privilege means a great responsibility. Globally, we do not know what lies beyond these days. These are quite the day. A new era in America. Never before have evil forces been so intent on stealing our religious liberty. There are many uncertainties. Folks, it is a wilderness ahead of us. I'm telling you, it is a wilderness. We need a cloud by day and a fire by night. We need the Shekinah glory of God. Now, Numbers chapter 9 can be applied individually. It can be applied as a family, as a marriage, and certainly as a church. So let's go there. Let's read chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. And as my uh, brother in the Lord who gave me this passage this morning, which I was already (laughs) preaching on this passage, and if you're listening here right now, uh, thank you for that. Let's look at verse 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely, specifically, the center of that tabernacle, the tent of testimony. And at that even there was upon the tabernacles that were the appearance of fire until the morning. Verse 16, and so it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Now verse 17, and when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then they knew that was the time to leave. Then the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, now that word abode there is where we get the word Shekinah. It is the Hebrew word Shekan, S-H-A-K-A-N. That is where we get the word Shekinah. Shekinah is just an anglicized word of the Hebrew word Shekan. There the cloud, the Shekinah cloud abode. There the children of Israel pitched their tents. Sometimes they would stay there for a few days, sometimes for a few months, maybe even a few times for a year or two. But wherever they stayed, they knew when it was time because the cloud would come and would stay. And where the Shekinah glory was, they would be there. They wouldn't move until it And it might happen in the middle of the night when all of a sudden the fire started moving. And the husband would poke his wife and say, honey... The fire is moving. We got to move. No questions asked. It's time to break up camp. Now, this passage suggests five important principles about the Shekinah glory of God. Number one, the Shekinah glory of God is conditional. It is conditional. God's nearness, God's presence is not an absolute thing. It is for those who are willing to be led. If a person wasn't willing to be led, 
then they couldn't have the Shekinah glory of God. If they said, I'm staying, then God's Shekinah glory would go on without them. It was a willingness on the part of the people to do whatever, whenever, wherever, however. Is that your feeling this morning? God, however, whatever, whenever, I am ready to do your will. We will never have God's presence until we're yielded. We'll never have God's Shekinah glory until we're willing to say, Lord, I am open to you. I wonder what kind of an Israelite you would have been or I would have been some 3,000 plus years ago. We just get everything settled and then the cloud starts moving. I'm so tired of traveling. I'm so, look, I'm not going. Moses says we need to go, but I'm tired of Moses telling us what to do. Well, we saw what happened when Miriam and Aaron kind of got that kind of attitude. But folks, Moses said, we've got to follow the Shekinah glory of God. His nearness His presence is vital to our safety and to our strength of our life. God wants us to be close to the Lord. He wants us to make sure that we follow exactly what he's doing because his presence is conditional. Now, brothers and sisters, as a church, if we desire the Shekinah glory of God, then we must be willing 24-7 to do whatever God calls us to do. Cloud by day, fire by night, 24-7. Recently, I noticed my bank has been telling me that they are available 24-7. I'm not always sure what I would do at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning with the bank. but uh, And if I call, I'm sure I'll reach somebody and uh, some polite man in Mumbai, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but the fact is, 24-7, my bank says it's here. But folks, we need to be 24-7 willing to be led of the Lord. And that's why it says in Romans 8, 14, but as many as are led of the Spirit... Not driven by the Spirit, but led. We have to be willing or God's presence, His spiritual power can't be with us. They become a powerful son of God. Number two, there's a second important principle about the Shekinah glory of God. It is conspicuous. Now, one thing is sure about the Shekinah glory of God. It was absolutely conspicuous. I remember a few years ago, we were driving out here in the east uh, foothill area, kind of by Sacramento. All of a sudden, I looked off there, and there was this big, giant plume of smoke. I thought, that is a huge, what in the world is going on there? That is, I mean, there must be some giant fire going on. Oh, and just curious, we kind of made our way over there, only to find out it was the steam coming from, I think it's Rancho Seco, is that what it is there? I mean, those big... Uh, uh, smokestacks just bellowing out steam. Folks, you could see it for miles away. Imagine then what it must have been like back in those days. Everybody saw the steam coming off of and the smoke coming from off God's place there. I mean, the heathens were looking over there saying, what's going on over there? What are they doing? Moses having a big old barbecue or what's going on? No, that was the Shekinah glory of God, folks. It was absolutely conspicuous. God wasn't trying to hide anything. Now, folks, some people have this idea about the Shekinah glory of God. Some churches kind of teach some crazy things, you know, like the Shekinah glory of God is some mystical movement. And, you know, you got to have this manifestation and this manifestation, folks. The Shekinah glory of God is conspicuous. It is the revealed will of God. 
It is the word of God. He wants us to do his will. That's why he says in Psalm 119, 105, the word is given to you as a lamp, a fire. The Shekinah glory of God is a fire, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God wants to have us to do the revealed will of God. Now, the revealed will of God is the written word of God. Now, in the written word of God, he may not tell us specifically whether he wants me to be a doctor or a driver, a lawyer or a landscaper, but he will give me principles like make sure that you study, make sure that you follow your gifts. God doesn't tell me if I should marry Sally or Sue. He does say don't marry Steve, Tim, <laughs> but uh, make sure that when you marry somebody is a godly woman who has a prudent life. And so God's will wants to be there for us. And folks, I'm saying this morning as a church, we as God's people are going to follow the Bible. I mean, that's what we're going to do. And so what does the future hold for the home church? What does it hold for us? A Bible-believing, a Bible-based church. We want to follow the Lord because it is conditional. We want to be led of the Lord. So we're willing, Lord. We're yielded. Number two, we want to be Bible-believing. Number three, it is compelling. One thing we know about those cloud and that fire was it was absolutely compelling. It was distinguishing. I mean, you couldn't hide the fact that you were a different group. <laughs> it was a dis very distinctive thing. When you followed the cloud, all oh, those are all those uh, cloud uh, followers, all those uh, fire followers, you know, that's who they are. They're a fire follower. Well, everybody follows somebody. Some people follow their investment counselors. Others do what their psychiatrists say. Some follow the horoscopes. Some even follow Dr. Fauci. But, uh, and Lord help us. But, uh, but I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow the cloud. I'm going to follow the fire of God. I want his presence to follow me. We live in a crazy world right now, folks. We live in a world where following God is going to make you very unique. I'm a cloud follower. I'm a fire follower. That's going to make you a very distinctive person. This world does not understand people who follow the Bible. They just simply cannot or will not understand. The anti-Christian sentiment in the world we live in has gotten so prevalent that even now, our elected representatives are marginalizing the Christian faith. Bible-following evangelicals. Our vice president, Kamala Harris, said this. Listen closely. American evangelical churches are propaganda centers for the intolerant. That is our vice president who has publicly gone on record by saying, People who follow the Bible are ignorant. They are intolerant. Now, friends, the future that the church holds in America is a challenging future. And especially given the fact that we're following God, we're following Christ, we're following Scripture, we're following the fire. You know, I'm not trying to do one thing or another, just simply following Scripture. Folks, I can only imagine what it must have been like for those people back then to say, yep, that's what I do. I'm, a, I'm a following God. I'm following Scripture. The Shekinah glory of God is conditional. We have to be willing to be led. 
It is conspicuous. His revealed will is written in the Word. It is compelling. It is a very distinctive thing. We can't get around it. And number four, it is conclusive. No ifs and buts about it. It is absolutely to be explicitly followed. We can't simply wake up and say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to serve God. Now, folks, it is going to mean that we're going to get outside of our comfort zone. I'm sure some of those folks woke up and said, I don't want to go any further. I'm tired. I have been pushed. I have been pushed. No, I'm not going any further. Folks, sometimes in our Christian life, we don't want to be pushed any further. But God wants us to go further. He wants us to get to the promised land. And I will tell you, there's a lot of enemies between us and the promised land. The traveling of God's people was a sign of the sanctified life. And it's not an easy route. You got to get up in the morning and read your Bible. It's not always easy to do that. It means volunteering to sing and to act and to be part of the ministry and do all the things that God's reaching out and getting outside our comfort zone and giving invitations and maybe spending time as a father, having family Bible time with our children and giving up vices and nasty habits, things that we've just grown accustomed to. Folks, following God's plan is to be it is conclusive. It is something that is very unique. It is to be absolutely followed without question. And then finally, God's Shekinah glory is consecrating. It is conditional. We've got to just follow what he said, be led of the Spirit. Number two, it is conspicuous. It is absolutely something that's going to make us distinctive. It is compelling. It is conclusive. And finally, it is consecrating. God wants us to be a spirit-filled, Bible-loving, Christ-honoring church. It's not always easy, but God wants us to follow the Word of God. It's not easy to always be a Christ-centered family, have a Christ-centered marriage, or be there in a Christ-centered church. Sometimes we like to maybe do something else, but God's Shekinah glory is a glorious glory that He wants to give us His presence. Now, we bring this all together with these five principles, and now let's think about ourselves. Now, that was what God had planned for Israel. I think we can apply it in every area. But now let's look at how the church has been symbolized by Israel all along. There are three times in the New Testament that God calls the church the house of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, the Old Testament tabernacle, the Old Testament temple, the Old Testament Shekinah glory of God, God called those places the house of God. And yet we are very clear that they all prefigure church. In fact, there is at least one way to say that, yes, uh, in the Old Testament, God came into a physical house the tabernacle or temple. And in the New Testament, it's like he's coming into the, the church, this wonderful group of people, kind of a more of an invisible type thing. But in one passage, it even interchanges the two, meaning it's really symbolizing that God comes into a place. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. But if I tarry long, Paul is writing to young preacher Timothy, he said, I want you to know how you ought to behave yourselves in the house of God. There's that same phrase. 
That's the same phrase from the Old Testament, the house of God, Shiloh, the house of God, the tabernacle, the temple. He said in the New Testament, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Now he clarifies it after that, that he's referring to, in addition to maybe <clears throat> a physical place, but, a, but an actual spiritual temple, which is the church of the living God. And a church ought to be full of life, the ground of truth. He said that church ought to be just absolutely filled with the life of God. And we're filled with the life of God when we have the presence of the Lord. A few weeks ago, the Supreme Court of the United States of America declared that, correctly so, that California's heavy-handed rules, which allowed many high-traffic indoor businesses but would not allow churches to meet, they declared that that was unconstitutional. And they said California churches should be allowed to meet. And even though our governor wouldn't follow that and still has not, the Supreme Court said that is your right. And then just this last Friday, they did the same for the county of Santa Clara. Thank God. Well, when I got that uh, notification, I was so excited. And I happened to read an article about some uh, churches that were pastors that were being interviewed. And I was thinking, boy, this is going to be awesome. These pastors are going to come on and say, man, we're so excited. We're going to be meeting this Sunday. And yet, 201, not one of them said we were going to be meeting this Sunday, but still following these crazy rules, the, uh, not uh, meeting, being able to meet inside. Now, friends, um, I am, and their concept was that we'll just continue to meet online. Now, folks, we have an online presence, and it is growing, and we love our online family. But online only? Friends, that is a, uh, I have serious concerns about that. And the viability long-term and the effectiveness of that long-term. And as it says, God's presence comes into a place, the house of God. In fact, George Barna just did a recent survey where he found out that of those people who are not attending church physically, a place anymore, who used to, only 48% of them live streamed even once last month. It is not easy to get up in the morning after a few months to make sure that you were there. Now, people who do it very faithfully, some do, and, and thank God for those who, uh, we have it for those who have medical needs and we're very thankful to be able to give it to them. But folks, there is a special presence about being together. Let me show you what it says in Matthew chapter 18. And this should, this should settle it for all of us. Jesus' words himself. Where, and by the way, Matthew 18, you know the context. It is about church. Remember, he's talking about sometimes there's issues that come up and you need to meet together as a church. Then he says this, Matthew 18, for where two or three are gathered together as a church, gathered in the same place, there I am in the midst of them. It says for where, notice the word where, for where, that means a place. When we gather together in God's name, there is a presence that's just not other places. Now, God is omnipresent, and so he's everywhere, to be sure. But there is a Shekinah glory that comes in in-person presence. 
folks, I will tell you, it is the, it is the concept of the radical anti-God left to keep people out of church. It is not God's plan. I promise you, God's plan has always been to meet together, to be together. That's why in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 1, that God said unto the angel of the church, the one who's speaking here walks in the midst of that church. Jesus is walking in the midst of the church. And folks, I just remind us that God is there. Now, it doesn't say he will be there. Present tense, he is there when we meet together. And so here's what I remind all of us. When you take the time and the energy and the all that it takes to get up and come to church and deal with the fear and deal with all the misinformation and deal with everything. And, and God bless you. And for those of you that are still out there, you have medical situations, we understand. And I, I want you just to know that. But I will say this, when you do that and when you take that time, there is a presence that cannot be felt any other place. There is a presence Jesus promised to be there in the midst of the church. And so God has promised to be in his Shekinah glory where people meet together, they worship him, they follow him, they obey the word of God. God said, you can expect a special Shekinah glory. And so this morning I finish with this, uh, and we're going to finish a little different here. We're going to ask our worship team in a moment to come back up after we um, look at a few more things here. But I close with this wonderful declaration, and that we may be the church where discouraged folks cheer up, where dishonest folks fess up, where sour folks sweeten up, where closed folks open up, where gossipers <laughs> shut up, conflicted folks make up, sleeping folks wake up, lukewarm folks fire up, dry bones shake up, and pew potatoes stand up. But most of all, we invite the presence of Jesus and may he be lifted up.